Scott and Liam versus Evil. So the reason why I couldn't instantly connect to your call tonight to record this episode is because they had to update Skype, and I only found out just as you went to once they updated complete that they've only went and fucking updated the theme tune, like the ringing tone. I'm so fucking angry. What? What did it sound like on yours? Mine was the exact same. No, there's like a wee like beat in it now. Is it ding 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 ding? Yeah, but it's like, like that. It's like the original one only updated. And it's shite because obviously the original one is the one that what they use as the ringtone for the phones and personal shopper and then I bought it so that it plays through as my phone ringtone for, for, for my phone because the personal shopper and now they've updated it to some fucking pish honestly we're not even a minute in and you've already got personal shopper shoehorned in there nobody wants to watch it Scott nobody look, cares look that was a good film it was not a good film there was nothing good about personal shopper you could say oh maybe the masturbation scene but even that was shit <laughs> just unenthusiastic <laughs> it was a very boring masturbation scene and you know how I feel about uh, wank scenes do you like them? I do I'm quite <laughs> fond only if they're energetic energetic and I need to I need to like feel like I'm there with them I need to feel like we're, we're all enjoying it together as opposed to just just going through the motions welcome to Scott and Liam vs Evil <laughs> episode 91 I'm Liam and I'm Scott and today it is my pick. Yeah, so, back back to the normal run of events after the Bumper Fright Fest episode last week, which was, it's almost a marathon doing that episode. It feels like we just we just have enough time just to go through and discuss the movies rather than, like, you know, get into the meaty sections of the, get into the bones of the, the individual scenes, which is kind of telling for today's episode, I almost would like to say. Get into the meaty sections and the bones? Yeah, both, yeah, so, both, yeah, both. <laughs> <laughs> just devouring it all yeah absolutely I know because I was thinking today I was like it actually feels like ages since we've recorded an episode and it hasn't it's been a week but because the Fright Fest episode does feel so different yeah and that and that's that's obviously obviously not a bad thing at all because like say we've such a bonus for Fright Fest that weekend it's certainly my favourite weekend of the year aside from yeah. my birthday and my wedding anniversary but you know Christmas. <laughs> well Christmas I'm always working <laughs> Christmas so I'm never left fond yet, to be honest. You're starting to sound like fucking Kirsten Stewart ripping the heat off it. <laughs> so it's my pick, and we are staying with the 60s. And it, I've, I've actually started to feel it's my duty now to bring up some of the, even the kind of more famous old movies that most people I thought would have seen. There's some people in the group that I know haven't seen this, and I'm like, well, no, no, that can't happen. So I now. I feel like I'm doing a, a kind of superhero duty of bringing these movies to your untrained eyes. Mm. All you untrained-eyed people out there. Uh, so this one is from 1968. It's directed by George A. Romero and it is Night of the Living Dead. And I am one of those people who haven't seen this movie before. Oh, now, I... Right, I watched it this morning and, you know, I, I, have, I have seen it but maybe once in my whole life, and one of the one of the versions I own is uh, a, a colorized version. 
However, that's not the one that I watched today. I watched the Blu-ray version, which even still is looks as if it's a kind of scanned image on the cover. It, there was, I'm sure we'll discuss. In fact, we may as well just discuss it now. There was a whole issue with this movie in terms of the the rights or the copyright to it. Um, George Romero made a mistake or didn't file ownership properly, and it turned out that pretty much anybody could like record this or scan it on a disc or VHS or whatever it was at the time and sell it for next to nothing and that's why there's so many versions and that's why they're all cheapest chips in um, second hand like, uh, video stores How dare you take the historical facts away from me that's all I've got oh, Sorry, <laughs> do you want to uh, go back and do it? Uh, what actually you know, the, happened? Only, the only reason I know that is because you told me <laughs> Uh, well, there you go. Now, now I'll tell the, the real one. Let's, okay, all right. Let's, let's go down the journey together. Uh, when after, so after George a. Romero and the crew had finished filming Night of the Living Dead, they were looking for a distribution deal. Loads of the big kind of studios were saying no. It was too wild. It was too, it was too dark. The, the way it ends is not the way a Hollywood movie should end. So Columbia and American International Pictures both said tone it down. George A. Romero and the crew were like, no, we're, we're kind of want to keep this, keep this the way it is, the, the way we've kind of poured our heart and soul into it. So there was a company called the Walter Reed Organization who agreed to show it, but they had to change the name, the original name, well, it said a few names, but at this time, the name was uh, Night of the Flesh Eaters. So apparently there was a, another movie had been produced that was very similar to that, so they changed it to Night of the Living Dead. But whoever in the distribution company, in their infinite wisdom, by removing the title, also took away the copyright thing at the start or at the end of the film. So just because obviously this movie is copyrighted by such and such, because it said Night of the Flesh Eaters, they took that away, thus leaving it open to anyone being able to use it as public domain, just because one idiot at a distribution company. Well, what happened to that idiot? Did- George Romero punches Curtin. I can imagine he would fucking drop kick him like he was hot, man. Because think about the money that they would have made to distribute <laughs> distribution over the years if people just couldn't just put an Eleven Dead just willy nilly. Yeah. On Amazon right now, there's like twelve different copies and they're all shit. Yeah, yeah. As I'm saying, it's a Blu-ray version I've got, and it and it's it's clearly shit. Like I mean, it's a it's a high quality version like watching the, the the screen you can see it I mean it's all clear and it's all you know blurry quality but j- just the cover it just looks like a scanned image so what copy have you got it's uh, optimum releasing but it still looks awful on the on the cover but does it act, what does the picture quality look quite good then blurry yeah no the picture quality is good yeah but it's like the cover's like a kind of faded purpley colour you know how the way that like, you're a bad like as if you've not got enough colours in your printer yeah it looks like that well so there you go, if you are listening to this and you've just watched Night of the Living Dead on Amazon or anywhere else, if it's not pristine Blu-ray quality, then do yourself a favour and go and buy the Criterion Collection or the one Scott's got, the Optimum Releasing. Just don't watch the ones that are on Amazon for free because they're free for a reason. They are just scans of the original, uh, the original film and they are pretty piss by today's standard. Yes? Yes. Agree. Cool, so Night of the Living Dead, the synopsis for this is there is panic throughout the nation as the dead suddenly comes back to life. The film follows a group of characters who barricade themselves in an old farmhouse in an attempt to remain safe from these bloodthirsty, flesh-eating monsters. Uh, as I said before, it's directed by George A. Romero, it is written by Johnny Russo, 
and Georgie Romero and it stars Dwayne Jones, Judith O'Dea and quite a few others. Uh, so we'll play the trailer for Night of the Living Dead. We could actually play the full movie since it's in public <laughs> domain. We could actually just distribute it ourselves. But we're not bastards, so we're not going to do that. So we'll play the trailer and then we'll get straight into it. Welcome to a night of total terror. <laughs> Night of the living dead, the dead who live on living flesh. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. The living whose bodies are the only food for these ungodly creatures. of the living dead. A bizarre adventure in fear. An experience in shock, more shattering than your strangest nightmare. Night of the living dead. A night with the dead who cannot die. A night of total terror. Night. For, see, for being a huge zombie and Romero fan, this movie is one that I've avoided quite a lot. Uh, like I say, I, I, do, I did buy it by a colorized version, I'm sure, from Missing for a quid one time, and I think I maybe let that play through. But because the uh, superior other version exists, uh, the remake, I always opt for that as a uh, night. Stop at the bus. Here, herein lies the first problem and the reason why I wanted to do this, or one of the reasons why I wanted to do this. You can't say the remake is better until you've watched it. Now you've watched it, you can say that. Okay, so we're just going to take for granted that now I've went back and fact-checked all my notes and uh, <laughs> they are they are as is. Because I'm also going to publicly call you out. To, one of us owns a Night of the Living Dead t-shirt and it's not me. Yeah, but yeah, but I was also given as a gift. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's different then. I also, own a, I, also, I also own a Night of the Living Dead 1990s t-shirt. Was that a gift? No, I bought that myself when I went to meet Tony Todd, who starred in that movie. Oh yeah, I was there, remember. <laughs> it was a Fight Rags t-shirt and, and it was like, it wasn't that long ago and it wasn't that good quality print or like design or print or like t-shirt fit, whereas they seem to be a lot better now and it was only like a couple of years ago. There's they... a few places online right now that are selling horror t-shirts that I'm not going to name but are not good quality. There's yeah. one particularly from America, the print quality is fucking awful yeah but like in terms of like where fight rags are at now I, wish, I just wish that one was a bit better anyway that's that's a side that's a side <laughs> note but anyway so yeah you're like one of the wee teeny boppers that buy a Ramones and a Led Zeppelin t-shirt even though you've never heard of Led Zeppelin or the Ramones with the Night of the Living Dead Look, even if I like if I like, if I like one song from Led Zeppelin or the Ramones then I am then I can wear a t-shirt however 
I'm not going to be able to hear one song for Led Zeppelin because those fuckers never put out any singles because they were so different for everybody else. <laughs> Fucking pricks. But so, therefore, you can't wear the Night Eleven Dead t-shirt unless you've seen Night Eleven Dead. I know you say you've seen it once, but I think you're lying. I've seen it, but I've certainly seen it once now because I watched it this morning. So let's just uh, let me tell you my take on it, Liam. Shall I? <laughs> yes, please do. Hey, what I do enjoy in this this movie is the score. Now it seemed. It, it seems as if it's similar to the score that went on to Dawn, obviously with Goblin aside and like the whole kind of, you know, the recognisable songs and that. See, just the the techniques they use to like make this, like the, I, I don't even know how to replicate those noises with my mouth, but you know, like, you know the kind of old-fashioned stuff they use to be sinister? Yes. Right, like that. <laughs> right, okay. Right? Uh, <laughs> it was also very similar to the score they used in the remake as well. Um, and what I like about these ones is I like the idea of the kind of vast space of America, like, you know, the big open fields and uh, the way that it's like uh, one zombie increases into ten zombies and a hundred and so on and so on. Like, I like yeah. that idea. So, th- this movie starts off with brother and sister driving to the graveyard. They give you some exposition so you know what time it is. It's eight o'clock on uh, the day the clocks go forward, which is always the last Saturday in March. So, you know, it's spring. Uh, they get there at eight o'clock. They say it takes three hours to drive there, so you know they left way too fucking late to, to go three hour driving to a fucking graveyard. It was eight o'clock at night when you're getting there. Um, and I also fully agree with Johnny. I'd just pretend that I was going to the grave to put the flowers on it and I'd just go to the pub instead. I understand that, but obviously it's also about a dick move if you just don't go and see your dad's grave and you just sack it. Yeah, but you, yeah, I know. You're just you're you're just come across as a right wanker now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like jo- like Johnny. Yeah. Uh, so it's almost exactly the same opening scene in both movies. This has been both movies. I mean the the remake, uh, but played very differently and both work just as well. And in my next notice, oh no, wait, they do the uh, coming to get you, Barbara, in this version because they do it late. They do it later in this version than they do in the remake. So I thought that it was added. Stop. Pretty- Stop, stop, stop. Don't call it this version. This is the original, right? So don't say, oh, they actually do it in this version. Of course they do it in this version because this is the original fucking thing. This is when it first happened. So what you mean is the Tom Savini remake also does it on its version. You say it again, I'm going to pause this, I'm going to get a taxi at your house and I'm going to fucking drop kick you in the jaw. Right, okay, yeah. I, I realised when I was saying that, that I was saying that in the wrong order. I know that um, by saying that the, the remake's my, my favourite, and I know that by saying that this is my first watch this one, uh, that I'm, I'm being respectful, I have, I've got my notes about this movie, but I realised when I said that sentence, I said it the wrong way around. So I do apologise to uh, all the listeners, and to you, Lee. Um, Thank you. So the, the zombie who turns up and uh, attacks them is just a guy who George Romero seen in the cafe in Pittsburgh and said, you look like a, an ugly person who could, be, who could be dead. Will you like to be in my film? And the guy says, all right. You could get away with so much back then, though. I mean, look at the look at Michael Berryman from Hills of Eyes. He's only in that <laughs> movie because he looks weird as shit. Yeah. And it just turned out that, oh shit, he can actually act. You couldn't yeah. do that now. You couldn't just go up to somebody and be like, well, I said, your daughter is so fuck ugly that I really want her from a movie about ugly daughters. No, because I, I think, no, I think they can because I think, you know how you've got that, you've got that movie that's just come out called uh, Dumplin'. It's on Netflix. It's the uh, pageant movie with Jennifer Aniston and the Dolly Parton soundtrack. It's a really good movie, feel good movie. But clearly they have had to audition for Fat Girl. Like, there's, with all the respect, or overweight girl, or heavier than meant to be girl. What's the, what's the, what's the PC term for somebody that's fat these days? 
Obese. Obese. No, I think that's even offensive. No, it's not. It's medical. Well, yeah, I know that, but that doesn't stop you getting a heavier... Yep, fatter than you're meant to be. Heavier than than meant to be. Is that right? No, anyway. Chubby and fun. So they've obviously had to audition for a chubby girl. That's different, though, because see if you're chubby, you know you're chubby. So someone comes up to you and says, "Yeah, but see if you're ugly, you know you're ugly as well, like proper ugly." I don't know. I I think you do. I've met plenty of people in my life that did not know how ugly they were. <laughs> I actually did a podcast with one of them. Oh, don't talk about it when you guessed on Duncan's show. About that way. <laughs> That's more shots fired at podcast under the stairs. <laughs> no, they they know they know we uh, we loved them. I uh, I I kissed the bobs in the uh, the message today this morning when I was in the middle of out cleaning my car and I thought I had a wee bit of emotional um an emotional time. I thought that I wondered where that had came from. I was just right. So we have a if you if you've a new listener, uh, we are very good friends with Duncan over at the podcast Under the Stairs and his old sometimes co-host the Baz, and we have our private Facebook group where we just send each other dick pics and just just dick pics, (laughs) just countless dick pics. Uh, And today Scott got really quite emotional and quite. Very lovely words. Yeah, I just appreciated the friendship that we've built up over the last uh, year or so. And it was just, I was listening to, I finally got around to listen to his, his Duncan's Fright Fest roundup. And at the end, he said some nice words about us because he joined us, like, in our group this, this year. Um, you know, so, and I just thought, it's not often that you get, you know, you get friendships that just, like, spark out the blue and then become, you know, it's, it's, it happens yeah. sometimes. Uh, friends coming in and out of your life, like busboys in a restaurant. This time round, I'm just staying in the restaurant. I'm refusing to leave. <laughs> I have never had a busboy come anywhere near my life. <laughs> uh, but bear in mind how we became friends. Exactly. I met you once, yeah. and then you get my name tattooed on you. Pretty like much. a fucking pervert. Yep, and then you felt this guy must have some kind of learning difficulty, so I better look after him for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, 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 the words are nice. I, I did wonder what triggered it, though, because we did just talk in the last episode about how Duncan shot himself yeah, 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 in the yeah. stairs. No, it was just because I was listening to the episode. I don't get a chance to listen to podcasts that often. My commute is literally 30 seconds. And um, so I had some time this morning when I was cleaning the car, I was listening to it, and I thought, oh, that was that was nice. Yeah. One day we're going to do an episode It's just basically revolved around things that Scott does actually have time to do. Because he can't listen to the podcast. No. He can't watch a fucking movies no. for the podcast. <laughs> and I'd really like to, I bet you are like some uh, human trafficker. Sex trafficker. I really, I really wish I was because then it would at least have sort of some excitement. I just don't know where my time goes. I don't have time for anything except going to work and driving my wife to different various appointments and places she needs to go, and then watching whatever program she wants to watch in that hour or two we've got before we need to go to sleep. The worst version of driving Miss Daisy I've ever heard of. Yeah, <laughs> fuck you, Miss Daisy. <laughs> right. Um, so night the loving death. That was also that was a quote from uh, role models. I've never actually seen Driving Miss Daisy. I know it deals with some high tension, so if, I, if that was, uh, I don't know if that was out of place or not. So <laughs> I apologise. Um, to be honest, you've probably got a fucking Driving Miss Daisy T-shirt somewhere. <laughs> Very good. Right back to this fuck of the movie. Okay. And uh, so zombie, uh, zombie uh, Johnny gets killed. He gets knocked down. Uh, oh, and hits his head on the gravestone. Now what happens there is the zombie gets up and chases after uh, Barbara. Now that wouldn't happen. 
if a zombie, zombies don't exist. A zombie would kill Johnny. It would just scran him. It wouldn't go up and chase the girl because it's you know that gives it human qualities. There's going to be a lot of times where I criticise the beginnings of the modern zombie genre. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, the creator of the modern zombie genre and his first attempt at zombies because I don't think he really knew his own rules at this point. In fact, I don't even think he even knew his own rules by the end point either because there are some questionable times when you get to Land of the Dead and further on. But anyway, we're only talking about night, so let's get back to it. And this, it doesn't actually, or the movie never refers to them as zombies. When, when do they ever yeah. refer to them as zombies? <laughs> that's true because you're not in a zombie movie you're not actually meant to know what zombies are zombies don't exist so you're meant to just call them ghouls or fucking the living dead or whatever but George A. Romero thought these were whole, like totally new creatures he developed he didn't think it was like the the kind of Caribbean zombies and white zombie from the there was like voodoo behind them was it not uh, yeah, that's what. So that's what zombie was. Zombie, yeah. the, the original zombie came from the kind of voodoo culture. Yeah, is it? Would it be? Is it a culture? Uh, voodoo. Uh, voodoo. Voodoo. Is voodoo a religion? Chicken bones and all that. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> chicken bones and all that. If it is a religion, then we have just offended everyone well, who practices that religion. Well, if there's any, if there's any listening voodooists, um, let us know about your religion by telling us in writing and not by putting spells on us. Thank you very much. <laughs> There's somebody right now, a little ragdoll, who's wearing a little Driving Miss Daisy t-shirt just stabbing it. They must be stabbing it <laughs> in my lower back because I'm getting some shit hell of a lot of pain, by the way. <laughs> That's because you're like fucking 54. Mm, your, yeah. your back's going to hurt. Uh, so yeah, they didn't, he probably didn't know like what he was really working with. Yeah. The zombies. Yeah, so there is so looking back at it there is some there is some rule breaks, but we'll get to them. Uh, so we have Judith O'Dea playing the part of Barbara in uh, the original version. Uh, she plays a great part in this movie, but I don't like there's once at the beginning when she runs through the graveyard there's a fall down cliche. Now obviously this would have been one of the first, like early on when the fall down cliche was starting, but still it just it looks awful. Like she just she just falls to the she looks as if she's just putting herself on the ground. I don't know why you would film that and say, yeah, that's that's what I wanted. Did you never used to do that, though? Like, if you're... Are you, you've not got an older brother. If your older brother was chasing you and you knew you were going to get beaten, you would just fall to the ground because it was easier than trying to run away and getting caught because the tension and the fear was so high you would just hit the deck and hopefully he would run past you and you could get up. So maybe that's what she was doing. She was just trying to, like, throw the zombie off. Um... Okay, I'll take your word for that. Um, so that my note—you no, acted, acted like your little sister never kicked you off. <laughs> uh, so my note here is uh, yeah. So I don't like the following cliche. Obviously, this has been the first, but still. And if I remember correctly, and this is obviously before I watched the movie through. This Barbara doesn't become a badass, which is why Patricia Tallman is the better Barbara for me. But that's all to do with the times and um, Romero and Savini, and not the actors. Yeah. The, the, the original Night of the Dead is, like, it takes racial politics yep. and it's just fucking amazing with them, but it's got a lot of issues with f- sexist politics. Yeah. My next note, straight after that, before I even watch it anymore, not criticising Romero about the times, though, he cast a black lead, which may have been the first movie to do so, or at least the first movie with a predominantly white cast where a black man is in charge and he slaps a white woman at one point, I believe. So obviously then... My note will explain what he actually does do later on. Uh, so kudos to George for that one. 
see the fact that he came out and people were like, oh, so why did you cast a, a, a male black lead? Like, it was unheard of. And he's just like, well, he had the best edition. It was written as a white truck driver and Dwayne Jones came in and had a fucking excellent edition. So he got the part the way it should be. It wasn't yeah. like, oh, let's get a black guy in it and hopefully this will garner some interest from the black community. It was, that guy's the best, let's do it. And then Dwayne Jones actually changed the role to suit his personality and the way he thought the character would go which is fucking amazing especially in the 60s when you're at the height of remember the bit in Forrest Gump where there's all the race riots happening and Forrest yeah. Gump's about to go to Vietnam that was this time so like to, to for this movie to come out where the, there's a main black guy and these fucking bitch slapping white lasses Georgie Romero was a saviour at that time for everyone just going do you know what who cares? Let's everyone's equal. Let's just enjoy the movie. Yeah, I, I like that. That's the idea that you just had the best edition because that's like a that's just like a way of saying to that person, like Romero, there's racism doesn't exist. He's not a racist person. He's just like give me the best person for the job. Which is if which is if everyone done that, then there would be no racism. But people can't do that for all different variations and reasons. So now we have got to the bottom of why there is no. So can we fix it? No, probably not from this perspective. So let's just get back to discussing the movie. <laughs> so she runs away and she finds this big isolated farmhouse. Yeah, and then you know something I just find fascinating about the world ending and all the buildings being up for exploring and looting or like setting up camping. I don't actually wish it would happen. But no, I, I really do. I do. I wish it would happen. <laughs> that brings me to the question. I'm surprised you didn't ask it first. If that was you and you were in the farmhouse, do you think you'd need a wee shite? No, I definitely need a wee shite. <laughs> <laughs> would you go exploring first or do you think you'd go for a wee shite and then explore? Just I in case something caught you in the toilet. I'd be feared to do a wee shite because at this point you still think I'm in somebody else's house. So, you know, you need to, you need to be aware of that. What? <laughs> you need to be aware of that every time you go into somebody's house for a shite? Well, or you need to be aware of that? At the end of the world. No, are you, well, if it's the end of the world, once you know it's definitely the end of the world, and all the houses are definitely free and empty, and you, all you and you're walking in, so basically you're looking to see if there's any kind of looters or somebody who's set up camp in this place, which means then you can just say, you know, then you can deal with it. If you've trespassed into someone's house who still believes this is my house, you know, the world has not ended for me, then no, I don't want to be sitting in the toilet. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just hold it in to deal with that situation. I, I don't know if you could hold it in because usually it's times like this that. <laughs> like you can turtle neck it, but, uh, turtle neck it, turtle head it. <laughs> turtle neck is a jumper. Uh, I don't in this situation. I don't know if you could. I think you would get too excited at this big empty house that you would need to just squat right down in the kitchen and just go for it. <laughs> it we asked, yeah, well, yeah, because then you then you just go on my business. <laughs> which brings me to my version of Night of Dead, which is way better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right now, this is where one of the kind of rule breaks of zombies so the skill of zombies changes about in this movie the first zombie is fixated on Barbara and uses tools to smash the windows but then as night goes into dawn as it goes into day they devolve and then as it goes into land they evolve again using tools again so there's mm -hmm. you know so the, why they're using tools in this first one that should never have happened but the, when the first one was written it wasn't really it wasn't going to expand into other things so they were maybe just like well these because they, they weren't 
zombies. It wasn't mindless zombies. They didn't really know what it was. So the fact that they had they had a, a level of intelligence made them scarier to the audience because it wasn't just these things that you can run past, like Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead, you could run past and push out of the way. These things could maybe work together or like later on when they smash the headlights, they kinda know what they're doing. And it makes them like a, a, a more foreboding presence outside. Yeah, okay. Also, I'd like to point out that uh, Savini's first zombie uses a brick to smash the window in the graveyard as well in the remake, so that's something that they they broke the rules for that as well. Um, so she's in this farmhouse and she's running around the farmhouse, and a lot of the time when she's going about this house, it feels like a silent movie because obviously it's like full-on score that's going over the top of it. Um, it felt like I was watching The Snowman or something. It felt like the same style of orchestra that was playing her running about this house that, that plays the snowman, you know, the wee short movie that plays at Christmas. Yeah. And then, uh, and then she sees a dead, she sees a dead body. The effects were good for the dead body. She gets a fright and she runs outside as if she's forgot that there are moving ones outside. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Fuck's sake. Uh, but irrational fear would do that to you. Yeah. So, but that's when Ben arrives. So she gets blinded by the headlights and he drives up in his truck. Um, he knows a bit more information about what's going on, but he's got no gas. Um, so he comes in and he tries to figure out about the house, but Barbara can't tell anything because she's became a silent wreck, which is kind of understandable for what you've just witnessed. But that is where the, the kind of the sexual politics come into it, where now that there's a man here, it's okay, the woman's not... Because at first, Barbara's actually alright, she's, she's using the phone, she's looking about, she's actually got her wits about her, and then as soon as the man appears, it's like, alright, cool, now I can revert back to just being... A, a shrieking woman in time of need. Yeah. Uh, obviously, in the sixties, that was. Well, it's only recently now that you're finding movies aren't just doing that. So, you can't you can't blame them for it. So yeah. So now the zombies are out in the garden, smashing up his truck like a bunch of Neds. <laughs> That's uh, also another um, thing that doesn't uh, continue as the rules of zombies. <laughs> Uh, and then also then Barbara speaks. I preferred that when she was silent. She's like, <laughs> what's happening? What's happening? <laughs> mm. That's it. I don't like uh, her acting in this. I, I think it's very... Uh, there's other acting in the movie as well. It's very kind of stiff and wooden. To her especially, I think she is too flaky and too all over the place. There was... Uh, she she came over to go to one of the Weekend of the Dead events, you know, the George Romero events that I've talked about a few times, uh, that a guy that I met at a convention kind of ran with a bunch of friends, and they got a lot of the guests, a lot of the stars of these uh, Romero zombie movies to come over, and she was one of the ones that came over last year. Um, and she still kind of looks the same as she did in the documentary I've got on my Blu-rays, which I started watching. But in her documentary, she was talking about how she went moved from Pittsburgh to LA and then got a phone call saying, we're actually making a movie back here if you want to come home. So she came home, auditioned, got the part, and then she goes on to describe how uh, Barbara uh, starts off getting scared and then has this redemption. And I thought, what fucking redemption does she have? She didn't have any redemption whatsoever in this movie at all. She comes in, she picks up a knife in one of the first scenes, and then she shits herself and goes into like a catatonic state for most of the movie before she then we'll get to which hamster right. i thought i thought when she was talking in this this documentary i thought are you describing like barbara and the remake because she's got a redemption she's got a turn around and becomes a badass your character doesn't really do anything 
What age? It should be about the age now, though. It's actually going quite senile. Well, maybe I don't know. <laughs> also, all I heard from that story there was, "Ooh, zombie friends." <laughs> There's a guy I met at a convention. He's my friend, and he has this uh, zombie conference today. Just me and all my friends go and just hang about my, my zombie friends. <laughs> see when I see when I meet my uh, the guy who does a, a cowboy convention. Then <laughs> that will be cowboy friends. You were so excited there that you nearly called this fictional guy you've never met your friend. See when I meet my friend, uh, the guy with the, the cowboy <laughs> convention. <laughs> so desperate for friends that he's just making them up. Right, let's go back to this, right? Um, now, this is when I've got a paragraph, right? Now, I need you to listen to me and I need you to take it seriously for what I'm saying, right? <laughs> I need you to understand what I'm saying. And I need the listeners to understand what I'm saying, Okay. I think the idea of zombies is actually pretty scary. People write it off because they are slow, but it's fucking dead bodies walking around. Dead bodies. Have you seen a dead body? I've seen a couple of dead bodies. Walk, getting up and walking around. And most likely, if it was real, you'd see your family and your friends and your neighbours as dead bodies walking around. So anyone who says, that's not scary, is talking straight out of their bleached or unbleached asshole. Not to mention the fact that the whole place would be fucking stinking. It's the smell that would probably put me off more than yeah. the fact there was dead bodies because t- obviously if it was dead bodies they 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 wouldn't have the power to stand up. They no, you need no, you need to take no look. You need to take for granted that they can. All right. <laughs> the brain is reanimated, so you know their muscles are still working for, to a point. Well, they are freshly dead, so they are freshly dead, so that would actually yeah. happen. Okay. We don't need to get into the physics of how and why they would walk around. We just need to say if if they were walking around, dead bodies walking around. You, let me just even imagine dead eyes, like not like a just a dead body. It's, that's freaky as fuck, man. I've never seen one. Exactly. <laughs> so I can't say I'm scared of them. Hmm. Right. So in the, I, I do, I do get your point. I'm, yeah, yeah it would be fucking I, terrifying. I you, they don't need to be running to be for that actually be scary if it really happened in real life. Yeah. Um. So in the then the remake, Barbara gets to kill a zombie. At, almost at the beginning parts of this, when when uh, Ben's running around the house, which leads her down the path of uh, badass. But in this version, uh, she remains frail and fragile. Woman. Uh, the scene where the blood drips off the balcony, like the top of the stairs, in this movie, that's replaced with uh, the farmer falling off the balcony and then being a zombie and Barbara having to take care of him. Yeah. The remake was 1990. Uh, no, 1990. 1990? Yeah. So obviously the it'll be way more acceptable then for the, the, the female character to actually fight back and to, to put up more of a fight than people would expect them to do in the 60s. By them, I mean women yeah which actually is this what my next paragraph's all about i know that we make jokes all the time concerning stereotypes and try to make fun or example of the people who use those stereotypes for hatred and discrimination uh but in all seriousness when you can watch old movies and see them out of racism or particularly in this case sexism it was just normal behavior it's crazy yeah as it's wild that there's you watch like old tv programs and you actually think Holy fuck! How how is that on TV? How are people getting away for that? Fucking the world is a terrible, terrible place at times. Yeah. Um, I I wanted to pick up a point. This is me being the uh, the fat comic book nerd from The Simpsons, um, or one of those wee guys who go to the conventions and point out criticisms. 
they, <laughs> yeah, they say the clocks have went forward, which means it should be the end of March, like I said at the start of this episode. The calendar in the house reads December. Hmm. Now, the farmers goose to have been like lazy bastards and not changed it, but it does give the audience members feel for that kind of criticism. That's just a wee point I wanted but, to create. But at the top of the stairs, there is the, the body, and that is quite seriously decomposed that's not a freshly dead body so maybe that body's been lying there maybe it's not nothing to do with zombies maybe that the person in that house died back in december and they've decomposed to the point in march and it just so happens that now somebody's stumbled across this empty house it never actually says that the body upstairs was killed by zombies oh, okay okay yeah okay also did you see like later on when uh, ben's dragging her away that she's just a normal person with a normal face yeah, yeah. Um, so this, the majority of this movie is like a two cast affair. Um, again, comparing it to the remake, the other cast in the remake were well involved by this point in the in the movie. Um, I think in that in the new version, I think that was a better choice. I think having just the two of them, especially when Barbara's pretty much saying "fuck all" for like the first half of the movie, it felt like um, it it was a bit like, oh come on, can we get somewhere? It it lets. Dwayne Jones shine because it is kind of all him but this is the part where I've always had an issue with this film where I think it just drags its heels too much I I get that it's trying to do the story thing that yeah there's this thing outside that's horrible and will attack you but also do you know what else is shit? Humans because now look at how they're interacting look at how they deal with it and then obviously later on look how they can't go on and that was my problem as well with The Walking Dead, because this is very reminiscent to, or sorry, season two of The Walking Dead is very reminiscent of this, and that farmhouse, and whereas I felt you got a payoff at the end of this, The Walking Dead seemed like it just went on too much, where it's just trying to show you the characters in the farmhouse, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, I know you, you would agree with it, but uh, I... The, I think that if they shortened this bit, Night of Dead would be absolutely excellent. But that just the way this drags out, I've just always, always had an issue with. Yeah. Um. So she, yeah. So he, she does kind of speeches now. She's banging on about Johnny and having to go and help Johnny. This is obviously the brother who's dead. We watched him die. Um. And she's now like saying, screaming, she needs to go and get him. Uh, and she plays a hysterical woman very well. Wait, hysterical is sexist, isn't it? Hysteria, hysterectomy. Yeah. Yeah, let me change my words. Let's progress. She plays a fucked up, scared person very well. If I was Ben, I'd be like, gonna shut up or gonna go out there and get him in your rain. You mad bent. Or just do what Ben actually does. Yeah, he doesn't slap her, he flat out punches her. <laughs> <laughs> he lays the fucking smack down. But and she's... to be fair, it does actually calm her down. <laughs> yeah, but she's got a delayed faint. She kind of gets punched, looks at me and goes... <laughs> she was probably shocked as the audience were that he just punched her. <laughs> yeah, but also she slapped him first, so the interest and in, in the interest of equality that we're going for, she deserved it. <laughs> I am not putting money into that one. <laughs> uh, Dwayne Jones didn't want to do it. Yeah, like, he was he constantly like, I'm, I'm not going to punch a woman, especially in the sixties for a black man to punch a white woman. There's southern states in America that would yeah, they want to lynch him. Yeah, yeah, we'd be burning this lynches. The correct that term, is the correct also, term, yeah. <laughs> uh, they'd want to burn the cinema down for how dare, how dare this character punch a white woman. And I think that's 
I think George A. Romero was just trolling at the time. I think he's like, ah, I know it'll fucking wind people up. Let's just have him. But, oh, well, actually, it didn't because it was in the script when the script was still a white guy. So maybe he's not a troll. But yeah. if he was trolling, that's excellent because you can imagine the outrage of people in the cinema. Yeah, oh, aye. <laughs> uh, they get the radio working. And then hearing the radio describe what's going on would be scary too. And that's the kind of information you get and realise that, you know, you don't go to work anymore. You don't go about your daily business. And this is where I would know that you don't try and flee or get to family or friends. You need to stay away from crowds. Don't advertise your position. Lay low as long as possible and avoid the immediate panic response. That's my that's my two cents for everybody out there. But you've already told everybody where you store all your supplies and stuff. So if this all happened... What you're actually facing is an onslaught of people who listen to this show or other people that you just speak to in the street because you tell a lot of people about your presence. No, but the thing is, the thing is, I think the people who listen to this show, not a lot of them are going to be close enough to for, for it to be worth their while to come and try and find my house. Whereas what they should be doing is listening to my advice and having their own prep stores <laughs> and their own plans. Because then Ben says, sooner or later, someone's bound to come and get us out. No, no, that's not. That's something you can never rely on, ever. Yeah. <laughs> I was listening to a podcast today, a particularly popular podcast among the podcasting world. Last podcast and left, and um, <laughs> it was side stories, and it was uh, I think it was the finding Neverland or leaving Neverland one. But at the end of it, they were talking about something different, and they were talking about um, the possible ways that in the, the human race can evolve, and they can either go. Um, but it's something to do with, I can't remember the words they call it, Marcus Parks described it as if there was like a research and there was names for these particular ways humanity can go. I think one of them was like if we become fully dependent on robots, the other one is if we can manage to get fast enough computer processors and upload our brains into the the cloud, and the other one is if um, we fuck it all up in technology and everything just goes fucking down and then the whole world collapses and majority of people die and then humanity, humanity has to try and scramble about for the ashes again and that's the one that's the most likely to happen and that is the one that I hope I'm alive for the uploading your brain to the cloud is fucking terrifying because I know I know what's in my brain at times and like the like the cloud leaking your dick pics and sex videos if the cloud started leaking all your dark thoughts I would be jailed. Yeah, like imagine because how many how many thoughts do you have that you just you don't say? Like how many you know when you're walking up the street and you think and you get the urge to kick the baby? Like what? I mean, well, <laughs> and that's that's a pretty tame one for the amount of fucking proper nonsense sometimes it goes through my my mind. And then also, like if all my brain is in the cloud, I I've seen my dick. I know what it looks like. So is that like I don't even need to take a dick pic where somebody could find it and steal a dick pic? I bet the way you feel about your own dick is actually way better than your actual dick is. Oh, so, yeah. If it, no, I don't just mean you, I just mean in general. So I know that if my if my mind dick pics get leaked, I'd be fine with it, man. <laughs> I'd have a 12-inch fucking joust, joust. What do you call those things you joust with? Mace? Is that a mace? <laughs> no, a ja- uh, javelin. <laughs> It's not, is that a javelin? I don't know. I think no, it's a joust. I think a mace is that is that ball with the spikes on it. Well, maybe that's what would be hanging underneath my 12-inch <laughs> joust. I'd probably just have a wee inside-out mushroom head. <laughs> so your thoughts of your dick being better than it actually is, is it no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm the opposite. I'm the opposite. 
<laughs> right, back to this. Uh, so the people come out the basement, right? Uh, they come out the basement after Ben's fucking blo- bo- blocked up all the windows on his own. Uh, Cooper is such a dick. He's like the other kind of alpha male that was in the uh, basement. Uh, although he does make some sense in the way that he didn't know was happening upstairs. However, his argument going to the cellar is absolutely fucking stupid. I don't know if it is, because if it all went to the cellar at this point, the movie would be totally different. I'd do it be okay. No, because they knew they were in the house, so they eventually got in the house, and then they got in the cellar. Plus, they've got one that's bitten down there, and then you think Cooper's going to let you kill the wee lassie? Aye, obviously you get shot at the wee lassie, and if Cooper's going to put up an argument, you get fucking shot at him as well. But the rest of you still go down to the basement. The, the only thing is, like when when Cooper comes up, he argues like a leader, like he thinks he knows what he's talking about, so he argues that he's the best, and that's enough for some people to follow. Luckily, yeah. luckily enough for our people in this movie, is Ben is also a leader, and they'll some of them will stay up to follow him. Although I say luckily enough, uh, it's it's lucky for nobody in this movie. Yeah. Um. So this is when the hands start to come in through the window. There's enough zombies around about the house. They start to break in through the windows, and uh, the guy Tom, the young guy. Um, who, so I think is is it right in this movie nobody's got a connection to this house they've all just wandered in yeah right yeah. Um, because the well, only person that's got a connection to the house is the dead person at the top of the stairs yeah well in the in the remake they make Tom make it his uncle's house uh, not that it matters in this review it's just maybe sometimes that's why I'm getting confused so Tom takes a knife and he's stabbing outside the window and there's some practical effects chopping at the hands through the body window it says it's okay Good for the time. Black and white, there's no pouring blood. It just looks like somebody's been like barring fish or something. <laughs> and then, you know, when the flower gets all like pasty on your hands. Just all looks right, like I that. Thought, <laughs> I thought you meant like just punching fuck out of fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we uh, had to do that in New Zealand. There was the only way we could, uh, we never had anything to kill a fish, so you just had to punch it. Stick <laughs> <laughs> between us still. Right, it was exactly that. <laughs> I think then between us fucking read the the travel blog. <laughs> yeah, because that, that was after, wasn't it? Yeah, I'd done it in 2012. <laughs> right, I fucking, I've, I'm on to you in between us. Uh, the practical effects of the person getting shot, the shirt moving with the blood, that's probably really good for the time. Like, I don't know how their, what their deal with Scribs was back then, but it was, that looked pretty good. Then finding out to shoot them in the head, that's the one rule that stuck. Yep. Uh, this then you see all the zombies walking up and you get a nude zombie with a bare ass yep. Yep. but hot ass <laughs> <laughs> now also really now, really closely you do actually see a slight hint of vagina it's kind of weird do you see the mound you see under the mound mm. you see the gooch the gooch region and it's like there's no need for that, come on. Even even zombie women would have clothes on. Sometimes, maybe you get bit in the shower. Uh, See? Uh, See? <laughs> um, no, do, you a... not shower, do you not shower in your swimming trunks? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I just, you know, I'm just too embarrassed with my inside-out mushroom head. <laughs> <laughs> uh Right, so I'm now, I'm now just thinking of the band Mushroom Head and their shit and I don't know, I don't <laughs> want to be thinking about them. Eh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, now this this is a scene in the movie that's probably very progressive. Uh, a black character calls himself boss to a group of white folks. Is that yeah. is that right? Yeah, because uh, he I says I'm boss up here. That's obviously um, old plantations stuff. The you know the slaves would call the the white man boss. Um, so that's a flip. But then, 
like you say, if a lot of this stuff was already in the script before it, then it's just like a coincidence how like progressive it is in terms of racism rather than it actually being done on purpose. Even though that it is progressive, it, it wasn't necessarily written that way to begin with. Yeah. And I, I think that's quite good with George Romero and the rest of the crew as well, that they don't pretend that this was a conscious decision to make this such a progressive kind of building bridges movie they do say that no the best edition and that was already in the script like they're not it would be so easy for them to try and claim that this was just an intentional move and make them look like fucking legends yeah I think to be brutally honest with it and go nah it's all fucking accidental I think it makes it so much better yeah um so we now have been I think we've been introduced or we've at least been spoken about all the characters that's in the house so we have ben and we have uh, barbara who we've been following so far we had cooper and tom who come up the stairs and then uh, tom decides to stay upstairs with ben so shouts on his girlfriend judy who comes up and leaving um cooper's wife and daughter karen down in the basement uh, and then one of the characters says i think it's ben we'd be better off if all three of us were working together i say only three because we all know the women can't help <laughs> I'd love the end of that sentence because <laughs> uh, they've just got Barbara sitting in a, in a glance and Judy's also like a deer in headlights just sitting on the side of the couch the two of them are just sitting there like do you know what I mean They're... to be fair to Judy your daughter is dying downstairs no no that's not the mum that's that's Tom's girlfriend that's just oh shit that's what it is sorry she's just standing there. in fact the, the, only, the woman who's got the most gump, gumption about her is the mum yeah. Uh, yeah that's true Judy uh, she also starred in Romero's movie There's Always Vanilla just to be back there for you. So that this is the point where you get some exposition from the TV or from the news, uh, the radio, I can't remember which one it is. They try to explain the zombie outbreak with a satellite returning from Venus with a lot of radiation. Um, so I'm glad that they dropped that whole section out from the remake and further future movies. That could happen. Now, there's, this is another sexist scene when... Tom and Judy are tasked with making uh, Molotov cocktails, making moonshine bombs, and like they've they've got a plan. They're going to distract the zombies. They're going to jump in the truck. They're going to drive to the gas. They're going to fill it up, and then they're going to fuck off to one of those rescue stations they've seen on the telly. So when this plan's been described and explained, and then Tom and Judy have got their tasks, it just becomes so annoying how daft the women in the movie this movie are. Judy turns around. Tom, are you sure about the phone? Fuck, I hen, it's no fucking working. Get a shift on and make these moonshine bombs. And then he goes, Where's that big smile for me? I'm like, Oh my god. Literally, like, you know, the woman's only relevant if she's looking pretty. Not that you need to smell it to be pretty, but do you know what I mean? That's just how sexist it is. And then Barbara chips in, Oh, I'd like to leave, yes. Like, Fuck's sake. <laughs> it's the 60s, man. Times they are a change. Yeah, it was awful. <laughs> like, like for, for any steps forward for, for racism that it made, it's fucking made 10 back for sexism, unless it was already that bad as it was, so... Bear in mind, we're only a decade after women used to get given, like, lists on their wedding day about things, like, things you can do to uh, make your man happy when he comes home from work. And yeah. Like, and Listen to what he has to say, don't tell him any of your problems cook him his dinner just be pretty wear a nice dress and you're like holy fuck and you know these things are given now as jokes and the women all look, the women read them and then look at the grooming and laugh at them uh, I've experienced that firsthand. so sometimes I would actually like to go back to the 40s or 50s to be honest with you <laughs> <laughs> where's my dinner <laughs> 
Um, so the guys go ahead with the plan. And then just as Cooper's going to shut the door as uh, Ben and Tom head out to the truck, Judy has a sudden burst of, I'm going to go with them. And she just runs out the door, gets to the grass and stops. She just fucking stops. She can see the truck. There's there's a clear path to the truck. But she just stops. I'm like, fucking face palm to these decisions. <laughs> ben has to say, we'll get in the truck then, if you're coming. <laughs> we know, well, he's fighting ten zombies. I was going to say, he says it's so calm, considering what he's doing. There's actually quite a lot. You know how you're talking about, like, wooden performances? There's quite a lot of scenes in it where he is... He appears a lot calmer than he should be, or you would expect him to be. I don't know if that's in terms of the fact that he's just such a badass, or that it is kind of an acting issue. I'd say he's one of the best actors in this. I think he is. I think he's making conscious character decisions to be the intelligent, kind of calm, responsible force there to help everyone else. I don't think it's bad acting in his part. I think there's a lot of bad acting in other characters parts but not his personally yeah uh, now this is again when I mean it needs to happen in the movie because I get it like so it can get to the, the end uh, point you know but it's so annoying in both versions of this movie the original and the remake when Tom fucks up in this version or in the remake they, they, they spend the whole time looking for a key for the gas pump and they get to the pump and they have the wrong key so Tom turns the shotgun on the gas pump to shoot the padlock off it, which <laughs> blows the fucking thing up. In this version, he just pulls the gas pump off and sprays gas all over the fucking <laughs> flame they've got. Like, if you never pumped gas before in your life, you're supposed to. It looks if you're in your 20s. You say you can handle the truck. You literally have just walked out and just fucking <laughs> pissed gas everywhere. Like, and then, not to mention the fact that then Cam Ben goes... Watch the torch. <laughs> As he moves it out of the way, but it still catches fire, and the whole truck's up on fire. And do you think, could they have put that out? I don't know, but they do fucking, oh my god, the reverse. And then he jumps out and goes to run away, and then fucking deer in the headlights, Judy. Oh, my jacket's stuck. Stuck to what? Stuck to what? And then they go back, he's back in the truck, and the fucking thing blows up. Oh, man. See, I've still got that fear, though, when I'm in the petrol station. And I thought, see if it, it dribbles down the side of the fuel cap. I'm like, I hope that doesn't come into play later. <laughs> I hope at no point is there anyone running at my van with a, a flaming torch because I've made my bed and we need to line it now. <laughs> oh. that, scene, that scene, though, that this is where I think the movie stops dragging its heels and holy fuck, you have just killed two of the spoilers <laughs> which I said off the start oh yeah we forgot to warn the spoilers eh? <laughs> we'll put it at the, at the start but if if we are spoiling a 1968 movie for you then you've got questions to ask about yourself you've got less time in the day than I have <laughs> yeah it's, it's only spoiling if it's new and fresh like what Scott done in the Fright Fest episode <laughs> it's, it's not spoiling if the movie is 40, 50, 60, 70 whatever years old like, we had to put a spoiler warning for Nosferatu, but <laughs> come on. Come on. Yeah. Uh, but this, to kill off two of the ca- two young characters and just have it, holy fuck, right, this is going different than any movie kind of has before. Now, this is one that I, I could actually try and put myself into the position of the audience members at the time, because like you've just said, you've just killed off two of your 
kind of characters, uh, two of your young characters, and they've, they've not only just killed them off in a fan explosion, you then go back and see the zombies jumping in for the all-you-can-eat buffet is taking away the bones and the meat and the intestines. And this is probably surely one of the first times they've watched zombies or people scranning the bones and fighting over the intestines. The audience back then must have freaked the fuck out. The first, one of the first screens of this, there was no uh, certification board at that time. There was kids in it. <laughs> there was kids in it. Brilliant. And, like, anyone was allowed to go, and Roger Ebert has got a great review of it at the time, because he started questioning, like, whole, uh, how the fuck were kids allowed in this? Uh, they were ha- having a kind of laugh at the start, because of the wee scary bits are used to the 50s schlock movies that this actually looks like. Yeah. And then, then the ending, where it's like, Oh, oh no wait no, this is like an adult horror like, <laughs> we really need to do something about this so can I imagine watching this as like a fucking six year old boy brilliant <laughs> we are back in the farmhouse and we are sitting and it's they're trying to figure out because uh, the mum's come up the stairs and she's saying there was supposed to be another broadcast at 3 o'clock what time is it and uh, they're like it's 10 at 3 and then Barbara's still in her days it's 10 minutes to 3 we don't have very long to wait I don't know what accent she was there, but uh, <laughs> Ben's just sitting there loading the Winchester, and if I was him, I would have just turned that Winchester on each of those people in the house, and then just go and find a new house and start again. <laughs> you can always just like just go find a new house and start again. You don't actually need to shoot them. Aye, but then they won't follow you, so you know you don't, you don't want to leave any ties. This is the thing about an apocalypse <laughs> as well. You need to be aware of the ties you leave. None. So is it? The apocalypse has happened. What are you going to do with your dog? He's not a loose end. He's not a loose tie. It's a tie. He'll be. He's fighting side by side to me. He'll be. Oh, he's a dominion. Your dog would just bark and give your position away every time. Well, see, well, I need. That's something that I can. I can think about at the time. I won't think about that or discuss that at any point until <laughs> it's a reality. <laughs> Fun fact about this movie. We get to see the broadcast that we're waiting for at 3 o'clock. The field reporter was played by Bill Cardo. He actually just used his real name in the movie. He's um, field reporter Bill Cardo. His daughter, Lori Cardo, played Sarah in Day of the Dead, the third uh, Romero movie. There you go. Yeah. Possible further connection. Robert Kirkman named the character in his Walking Dead comic, Lori. Perhaps as a nod of the head to the movies. Perhaps. Incidentally, Lori was then played by a Sarah in the TV show. That one, I think, just a coincidence, I think. I can't believe that this is 91 episodes and now you're finally doing research for the movies. Do you know, <laughs> I amazing. actually I just, uh, I actually knew that through the Romero group that I was telling you about earlier on. <laughs> oh, we all your kill zombie Yeah, friends. they love all this. <laughs> they love that. Then there's, they, they've, they've got connections to, well, not connections, but like they're, they're aware of all the people who are involved in these movies, like from the smallest, smallest parts. So that's just how I know that. But I like the things like that, though. Yeah. Uh, so this is the bit you've got and this is the thing right so I don't really know when this is supposed to be right you've got this is the whole scene of the um, the field reporter uh, talking to the sheriff who's like leading a posse to go and um, like round up and kill all the, the zombies um, and he's like oh they're dead they're all messed up and this news report sort of gives our survivors hope that there are groups fighting back Um. But that doesn't last long as you get back to the house and the zombies are all breaking in. It's carnage in the house with the four or five of them that are left. Although, in the news report, it must have been from the previous day because we're obviously in, you know, air quotes, night, night of the living dead, which 
then actually throws the timeline as far as I was concerned into question. Mm-hmm. Because I always thought that the zombie in the graveyard and the zom- like the couple that the, the zombies that come to the house are like the first zombies that have came about and we're learning about it as we go so that when you get to Dawn of the Dead, this is the exact same outbreak that when we start at the start of Dawn of the Dead, it's literally that morning after we've just watched people in the farmhouse like go through their ordeal, that's when the sun comes up um, at the end of that movie, that's when we, then we move on to um, what's her face, Francis and the TV studio, get ready to leave with Flyboy, you know, that's how I put it in my head as, as it went, and then as you, then you get to three uh, a day, and it's like the last remnants of the uh, the army, but yeah. I suppose it's not supposed to be the same day by the time you get to three. It, it was kind of loosely based on the I Am Legend story, and I think they wrote a kind of short story that turned out Night of the Living Dead about the the dead coming back to life, and they wrote a different short story which they then broke up and took parts of which turned into Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead. I don't think it's meant to run chronologically because obviously it can't unless you are setting them all in the same decade this one I think it's such a kind of 50s schlock like Attack of the Bat Monsters type vibe in it where it's cutting to the newsreader and it's black and white there's a, there's a lot of bits in it where it makes me think it's actually in the 50s but that's just my interpretation of it Dawn of the Dead and stuff obviously ends up the kind of seventies. I don't think it is meant to be that it's in morning and then this happens. I think it's just that these stories are happening at different points in the world when shit hits the fan. But it's all. Would you say it's all the same outbreak though? Eh, uh, no, because obviously it would. By the point of Dawn of the Dead, they're still trying to work out what's happening. Yeah, that's so that's like, like 10 so years yeah, after. I know. I yeah. in terms of the ten years after, it's the ten years after the movie comes out. But in terms of when it's happening, because the, the outbreak's never really explained. It's well, Dawn of the Dead. It's when there's no room in hell. It's just that. that yeah, well, that's just that's happening. just that's, that's just a sentence really that the guy says whether that's true or not. I I believe that that is because I think that's most logical. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> I think it's more that it happens and this is a story about it happening and these people in the farmhouse and then Dolly Dead it happens and here's a story about people who are in a shopping mall I don't think the time really matters because then we get to like Land of the Dead and stuff like that yeah Land, that I, but Land that's what I'm saying he's, he's fully lost his way when the time you got to Land of the Dead that's <laughs> just I didn't like Land of the Dead well there was elements it was okay but majority I didn't like it but I like to think that it's all the same outbreak also, right. when you when we talk about like why it could happen, there is there is a, there's possible there's scientific research that suggests that a zombie apocalypse could happen. Uh, Ebola. Yeah, but it just kill you, like plague or something. That's fine. They like, kill half the population. That's just an apocalypse, like a you know destroy like majority of the population. The there are parasites out there that will um, create like there's part there's part of the the flu parasite that at the beginning. Like the flu virus, when it starts to take hold of you, it makes you feel good at the beginning, like before you get the, the shite symptoms, and it makes you feel sociable. So you go and like talk and go, like say, and go on a night out and talk to all your pals and stuff. And then it, that's the time where it can it can pass about and spread to everybody. And then obviously, then it fucking knocks you in your ass and you get runny nose and shivering and hot and cold and all the rest of it. But to begin with, it makes you sociable to try and get you next to people so it can spread itself around about. 
there's parasites that get into animals and clip into their brains and things and then then control them you yeah. know so i mean it's scientifically possible that something could fucking go mental like that yeah i don't think it's scientifically possible i think there is logic there that could be based in reality but i think there's probably a lot of potholes for it to fall into all right we'll, we'll, we'll agree to disagree <laughs> on that one um now what i didn't realize in this version i hadn't paid attention to or not noticed until i watched it today was i didn't realize that karen the little girl, girl kills her dad in this version i like that you love patricide yeah because obviously um cooper ends up they do flip about some of the issues some of the end scenes from this movie to make them work in the remake so in, in this version cooper just dies down in the basement his daughter uh, eats his arm off it looks like and that's enough to kill him however i don't loss of, a total loss of blood there if you if your arm kept eating off I, you well, eventually yeah, die i eventually um, however, I don't like the humanised use of a tool and the stabbing to kill the mum. Uh, the zombies just go straight to scanning. They're not interested in murder. They're, they're trying to eat you. They've got a primal desire to feed. They're not trying to murder you. But what I will say, uh, to end this point, the noise used in the stabbing, like they're obviously stabbing like some kind of like sack bag full of, like, I don't know what it's fully, but it, does, it sounds horrible. It sounds like that wee spade is actually bursting through the skin. Which is horrible. At that time when I stabbed my brother, uh, that's kind of what it sounded like. <laughs> that was a sentence you never thought. <laughs> it was just a wee uh, bit. It was just a wee stab. Yeah. Uh, the, I think that's maybe a conscious decision, and that people are going to be so horrified that a child has killed its own mother that if they showed it, just the, the child eating the mum and ripping out her intestines would be way too horrific whereas the stabbing thing maybe maybe calms it down enough for the audience even though to me the stabbing thing is way more horrific than ripping out the intestines because I'm like your hands wouldn't actually be able to pierce through the skin to grab the intestines and rip them out but you could stab fuck out of somebody so that's more horrifying to me but, but if, you, if you look at yeah, I think the thing is you would never actually squeeze or rip at a person's stomach hard enough to know if you could rip open their stomach or not. I don't... You know, you never got to be able to test... How do you test that? How do you test that? Who do... We just need to pick somebody for the group and just be like, right, come on, it's for science. Just lie there and let us live stream. You want to get some... Try to rip you apart. You want to get somebody who is super fat and then is now super skinny so they've got that loose skin so it's easy to grab hold of it. Mm, right, okay. Right. We'll find somebody. Okay. Um, so at this point in the movie, the the house is getting absolutely overrun, um, and you've just got you've just got Ben and Barbara upstairs now because uh, Cooper's locked himself down in the basement. Everybody's now he's dead, he's pan bead. Uh, and then we'd kind of figured out that Barbara had the car, but Johnny had the keys in his pocket. But we, how do you find Johnny now that he's either dead or a zombie? Turns out that Johnny manages to get to front of the queue to get into the house, <laughs> and he comes wandering in, and uh, Barbara still what, hysterical, or does she go and try and fight? Johnny, I don't know, you don't really get a lot, but he just picks her up and he turns around and walks right out into a big crowd of zombies and she is getting her intestines ripped out. Although we don't see it, it is quite horrible because she's fully, like, she just see her head just disappearing into this crowd of people. Uh, and it just shows that this 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 version is very bleak. Like, in the remake, Barbara obviously becomes a badass and she survives at the end, but 
in this version, they're like, well, you know, spoiler, there are, there's no survivors at all, which ultimately is how 99% of zombie stories would actually go if you followed them long enough. In fact, it is. It's how, it's how in fact, it's how all Romero stories go, almost. I think he's just such a fucking pessimist. I don't think he likes people. I don't think he likes people. I don't think he really has a positive outlook in the world and realistically that is what would happen everybody would be fucked movies don't end the way they do in Hollywood where there's one lone survivor somebody happy at this point everybody's going to die and I'm so glad that that's what they did in this and I think that's what makes this so fucking iconic because it hadn't really been done before where you're leaving the cinema going well fucking hell there was nothing good came of that See, when you get a really, really good and well-done bleak ending, it's it's amazing in the cinema. I don't know if I've told this story before, but it'll be quick. When I went to see uh, Open Water, the first Open Water, not the shitey sequels and the one that they just called Open Water after we watched it in Fight Fest one year. Anyway, uh, Open Water, I went to see it in the cinema, Showcase Cinema in Coatbridge. I don't know how busy it was, but there was definitely a lot of people in there. Now, this is like the only time I've ever watched Open Water because it's one of those films that I really enjoyed, but it was just so horrible because it potentially could be real, in fact it's supposed to be a true story, that I'd never ever want to watch again, because the open water's terrifying. That bit at the end, when they obviously, spoilers, they both die, and it just quietly shows the credits. See when you spoil it, you've got to give at least five seconds for them to pause it and skip ahead, you can't just go, spoiler, they're all dead. Okay. Sorry, that's, not, that's not a spoiler warning that is a spoiler statement <laughs> here's a spoiler they're all dead <laughs> shit okay sorry folks but well that's it done now anyway yeah. Um, uh, yeah so when that when that happened they, it just goes to a quiet credits and everybody in the audience just stood up and walked out silently and I've never experienced that ending to a movie before, like again since just the silent, the, the kind of bleakness, even out in the corner, nobody was discussing it. When you walk out of a movie, people are always saying, oh, what did you think? What did you like of that? What did you like of this? They're talking nonsense about what they're going to get for food or, you know, wherever they're going next. They, they, this is just silent. And sometimes, sometimes seeing a, a really bleak ending movie that's done well and makes you feel that gut punch when it ends is, is brilliant. Yeah. Don't, don't tell us any more uh, movies that end yeah. like. <laughs> Do you know what I was about to say? Is something that end like that? Like, that, that, that. But uh, I never. So that was good. Uh, I'm learning. Titanic. Yeah. Where oh, fuck my notes have been way back to start. Give me one second. So, uh, to end, then we get to the morning, and then the people would be watching on the telly. Uh, the, the chief, they approach the farmhouse, and they've been just walking about shooting all the zombies, and like they're killing them all as if they're saving the day. And the. Ben comes out of the cellar, he's still alive, and he walks to the window, and then they shoot him. Question to ask, did they know Ben was alive? Was it a racist shot? Would they have shot him anyway, if he'd made it clear he was alive? At that point he was all white. Do they shoot him too quick, and that it's a genuine mistake? And now, after we've been discussing this, that Ben wasn't cast to be a progressive black man in this movie, it just so happened to be he was the best man for the job. If it was written that way, then it's not necessarily... A, a, a racist issue that's been put in the movie in terms of like a like a redneck group that's you know kicking about yeah. who would yeah. do that anyway like um, harking back to potential lynchings that would have happened in southern states in America so I don't know I think, I think it's just that it's ending 
everyone's going to die, so whether he was a white guy, and Georgie Romero actually, in the commentary, it was recorded like 1994, one of the commentary ones in the Criterion Collection, it's early in the movie, and he's like, I mean, I don't care if he's black, white, red, or yellow. Obviously, you can't say that in 1994, you could. Uh, but the, sen- the, the, <laughs> the good sentiment's still there, that the, he was going to die. He was getting shot anyway. Yeah. Um, the way that they change it in the... Um, in the remake is that Cooper's alive in the attic and Barbara comes back and shoots Cooper like and then the, the posse kind of look at her as if you know that was a guy right but she just pretends that he was a zombie and they're like fuck do we need to keep, should we keep this crazy bitch in our team here because she's just going to be shooting everybody as we keep going um, obviously that's that's no we know and then watch, watch the remake if I've just spoiled that as well <laughs> um, then uh, it's holy good. fuck <laughs> <laughs> on a roll today right, um, right fuck one it. day you'll Fi- one day. final summation um, this movie as far as I'm concerned coined the modern zombie genre one of my favourite genres and for that I am incredibly grateful and I have to hold this movie very high I do prefer the remake I think it's a better made movie but it's almost shot for shot with a few changes and a less bleak ending um, even if only slightly the portrayal of women back then is pretty awful and the inconsistencies with the zombies and their motivation their use of tools that's a kind of downside for me um but obviously, uh, as being the kind of the father, the godfather of modern zombie uh, genre, um, I have to give this movie four freshly dead bear asses out of five. Yes, I know it's different to the other black and white ones that I made you watch because this is this is like a standalone thing. But that's now two black and white fours, which I see as a success. Well. I'm, like I always said, I'm, I'm open to enjoying old-fashioned movies. You just need to find them. <laughs> I know you probably have seen it before, seen bits of it before. I'm just glad that you can now watch it and go, right, do you know what? Yeah, the remake was better. I don't think it was, although I've got a lot of time for the remake. Uh, I really do enjoy it. This, I like all those bits where people, people analyse it as was Romero talking about the Vietnam War? Was he talking about the Cold War? What are the zombies? Are they meant to symbolise the fucking Russians? Are they meant to symbolise the Vietnamese? I love all that because it wasn't actually... None of that subtext is there. They didn't put any of that in. They just made a movie that... I imagine people just like didn't die. And then let's expand on that. Everybody else reads in it their own things and I fucking love that about it. The middle part part drags a lot for me, so it's not one that I would watch again and again. It's maybe once every couple of years I would I would throw on Night of Living Dead. Uh, but like you say, it means so much to the horror genre and zombies and all of that that it would be rude and obnoxious to give it anything less than a four. So I also give it a four out of five. Yeah. But this is also where, like the Scream uh, conversation where the sequel is never as good as the original, this is one of those series, very few ones, that the sequel is actually better because Dawn of the Dead is the far superior movie to Night of the Living Dead. Oh yeah. And that's funny because the Night of the Living Dead remake is far superior to the original and the Dawn of the Dead remake is uh, far inferior to the original. I wouldn't say the Night of the Living Dead remake is far superior to the original. 
I'd say it. In fact, I don't think it's better. <laughs> uh, if you think it's better, then it's maybe just slightly. I couldn't. I wouldn't say it was far superior. Mm. I would. See, that's the one I would always watch. I but that's just because yeah, you don't like black and white. And you like Tony Todd because one time he pretended to strangle you. Yeah, that was so fucking cool. And he done his he he, he he done his zombie like impression. It was so fucking good, man. There's a master actor just seen doing his craft right in front of me, and fucking all the fannies were standing next to me. Nobody took a picture of it or a video. Yeah, that's Liam because... is one of those fannies, by the way. If you're listening and you're wondering, <laughs> that's because Kenny Baker was a dying. My... <laughs> <laughs> spelling my name on my signed R two D two as. Bleep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when this was all kicking off, we've talked about this story before. <laughs> so, yeah, so Night of the Living Dead, you enjoyed and it was a good, it was a good pick. Yeah, yes. yep, thank you. Yes, it was a good pick. Well done. Fucking yes. Take out to say well done again. Well done. Thank me. <laughs> thank you, Liam. <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> so the next episode will be episode 92 and it'll be Scott's pick before we get to 100 do you think we should be giving the group a pick again or do you think they really did just fuck it with the last two no absolutely not because and I'll tell you why because I have some weird um Needs for things like for things to be like in some certain kinds of orders, so the group picks always need to be on tens. So nineties just been, and there's no way they're getting fucking free reign of episode one hundred. So they only <laughs> wait to one hundred and ten before they get a chance to say anything again. To be honest, the last group pick was like episode eighty one, so you're wrong. <laughs> what? See, well, this is you know this is. <laughs> Right. I thought it, I thought it was in the tens as well, but I think it's only ever actually landed in the ten once. Right. Well, from now on, <laughs> from now on. Right, so they're not. So the group aren't getting a choice between no. now and a hundred. Well, sorry guys, I tried. I tried. I think we should give them a hundred and one. I'll think about it. <laughs> uh, have you been watching? Just quickly. Uh, this is a long episode, but. I'm sure you've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it, uh, especially when you said thank. You say thank you, Liam. <laughs> no, you you did it once. You need you need to do something nice to him again, and I'll thank you for it. Right. Okay. Uh, have you been watching anything else recently? Um. Yes, I have been watching cowboy films. Believe it or oh, not, today that. I watched the Outlaw Josie Wales Clint Eastwood film. Fucking brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you want to start watching the Japanese samurai movies that inspired them all? See, I'm not. I'm not averse to samurais. I love samurais. I I went through a wee phase in my um, early early teens with uh, loving Japan. Like, put my bed in the floor and <laughs> ate with chopsticks. Wore <laughs> 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 like wee wooden sandal things with wee lines in the bottom of our feet for <laughs> shoes. <laughs> you know, love it. Uh, uh, yeah. Right. Okay. So I thought Joseph Hills was good. <laughs> See if I can't get a replica cowboy gun, Jake, I can get a samurai sword. I think it's easier to get them, isn't it? I bet if you're dressed like a cowboy and you turn up a samurai sword, there's <laughs> a serious issue there. I'll work it out. <laughs> uh, what have you been watching? I watched and I put in the group the new Ricky Gervais series on Netflix called oh, yeah. Afterlife. I'm not the biggest fan of Ricky Gervais. Uh, 
I never watched The Office until I fell in love with The American Office. And then I watched it and I enjoyed it. I do enjoy some of the things he's, he's written. But this, honestly, I thought it was excellent. I was I, hung over as fuck, but I, I teared up a few times and laughed aloud way more. Like, I, I really enjoyed it. I went and told mum and dad to watch it and they binged it right after me as well. Uh, it really, I'd, if you like dark, bleak humour, I'd thoroughly, thoroughly recommend Afterlife on Netflix. I watched episode one today after your uh, recommendation. It was quite good. I'll probably go back in. Um, also, uh, right now, it's very, very current to people living in the UK. Um, me and Lon are watching a programme called Cheat. Episode one was on last night, and I think it's four parts, and it's four consecutive nights, so part two will be tonight. And, uh, well, that makes no sense to you guys when you're eventually listening to this um, on Thursday. So g- look for it on Catch Up. Uh, it's called Cheat, and it's it's quite good. What's that about? It is about a university lecturer who accuses one of her students of cheating, and this uh, girl is a fucking... Well, some, one of them is a psychopath we don't really know yet. It's left on a cliffhanger, but basically stuff just... Ramps up and ramps up and ramps up. Mm. So it's one of the, it's one it's on uh, I don't know. BBC well, one. If you want to watch it, look out. It's got cheap. it's got a uh, it's got uh, adverts on it, so it's either on uh, ITV, it's either on Channel Three or Channel Four. I would definitely if you if you think that sounds interesting, I'd definitely watch it before the next episode. <laughs> Scott, Scott will spoil it. I will. I will, I will absolutely <laughs> spoil it. Yep. So watch it before uh, the next episode. Well, I am fucking off to Romania on Thursday Ooh. for a few days uh, to go to Transylvania and become the Dracula that I have always wanted to be. So there might be an episode next week. Hopefully I'm back on Tuesday night. So if Scott's free between Tuesday and Thursday, we'll get an episode recorded and I will edit the fuck out of that and get it up. Failing that, we'll be back the week after or even maybe just on like the Sunday or something. We'll see. We'll try our best. We'll try our best. That's all we can yeah. do. Yeah. So, we take care of yourselves. Is that podcast on the stairs? Before I say that, he says that, didn't he? Take he says, uh, whatever you are in this big bad world and whatever the time zone is and whatever you're doing, just right. make sure that you know that I am thinking of you and be safe. Don't text and drive. Don't masturbate in public. And make sure... You are always happy with the choices you make in life, unless you have no choice, in which case you can be upset and depressed. Well, end it, end it. Cheerio, cheerio, cheerio. <laughs> Bye. M16 Productions. Feels so good to be back. <sighs> yeah. I've been broken, I'm not going back for nothing. I saw some shit while coming up and it still hunts Growing up my auntie house was full of junkies When I was young I thought her house was full of zombies This shit look like night in the living day 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 I've been broke before, what you know about it? I don't know a damn thing to nobody. Mama used to walk to the grocery store. Now she got a Benzo with no mileage. In my mirror, I couldn't be more prouder. I literally come from nothing. I don't see how you do it so well. When I was broke, I could hardly function. Now wish me well. I plan to go with no man before me's ever been before.